Welcome back to the Physics of Faith podcast. You know, in our last episode, we talked about the gospel and what that was, but who are these guys? Who's Tim? Who's Brandon? What, why should you listen to us? The truth is you shouldn't, uh, <laughs> but you are, so that's, we're glad you're here. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about who we are, what our journey in Christ has looked like for us, and, and hopefully you'll find some, something that relates to your life and it can be a, a help to you. If you like what we have to say, please feel free to like and subscribe to our videos or to our podcast. Drop us a review. Let us know what you think. Put something in the comments. And of course, share it with your friends and family if you think they'll get something out of it too. But I do want to say this. We don't do this for the notoriety because God knows we're not going to get any. We do this because we hope that somebody will get something out of it. We believe that Jesus will use this to preach his gospel and his truth to someone. If we make a hundred videos and one person comes to Christ or one person rededicates himself, then it will all be worth it. And so as we do this in our own personalities, you'll see that we like to joke a lot. We hope that you do get something out of it. Drums. Yeah. Yeah. Every, Big. <laughs> every time I hear this, I it feels like the intro to a morning drive time. Well, you know, I try to write music uh, as though it were a soundtrack to a movie, uh, and all of them are just you're driving in that movie. Yeah. Well, the, the drums definitely lend themselves to the drive. <laughs> Thanks, man. I try. They're, would you say they're driving? They're driving. Okay, good. Go. Yeah, they're driving. <laughs> Go and take the wheel. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Hey, so we're doing this a little backwards, um, but I think, you know, with good reason. Um, because, you know, people that know we exist already didn't need to hear who we were. Because uh, this is our second episode that we're recording here. And we didn't really introduce ourselves for that episode. Because Jesus was first. Because Jesus is first. <laughs> that's right. That's and right. that's the gospel, kids. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't really even talk. I think I used your name maybe once. We talked about that. Jeff more in the first podcast. No, he's a us. big. Jeff's a big deal. <laughs> he's a big deal. He's a really big deal, and he was remembered in the kingdom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we thought it'd be good to take a minute to introduce ourselves, talk a little bit about our story, and kind of how we came about. Um, in this world of Christendom, if that's the correct mm. term. Well, that's a, that's a good theological word, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll keep it above board on the <laughs> theology. Uh, I, it's important to me that people think that I'm intelligent. <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend at work that used to say, I don't want to be a good person. I just want to be thought of as a good person. <laughs> The next episode's just going to be all of our degrees and, and, and certifications behind us. That's yeah. Right. Uh, Even if they're from like fourth grade, just yeah. put it up there. Yeah. Some of them are in crayon and that's okay. <laughs> you know. Some of them are, are printed out for yourself, by yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, who I have that authority. <laughs> uh, so as long as, as long as we're talking about my authority, maybe you should know who I am. Uh, so my name is Tim. And that's really all you need to know. <laughs> it's gonna be a quick podcast. We're done. <laughs> There it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My name is Tim. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, and, and why don't you, 
why don't you tell us your name? Okay, my name is Brandon. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. And I'm also excited to be here. <laughs> this episode's not scripted. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a big fan of scripts for this very reason. Because uh, I don't know how to how to get into it. But why don't we just start at the beginning? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think you and I have some similarities, but also some pretty vast differences mm-hmm. in our life and um, kind of where where we went on what paths we took and how we got there. But I think, you know, for for both of us, I think our journeys in Christ specifically, because everybody's journey starts in childhood, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but our journeys in Christ started in childhood. And if I can put you on the spot, mm-hmm. like, what what's your, like, earliest memory of being introduced into Christ and, like, what, what, was, what did that look like for you? Oh. I can remember in the womb uh, with <laughs> Aquinas' uh, Summa Theologica. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm glad you you did preference because I was like, how far back does this guy want to go? Uh, I mean, I so I was raised in the church, like, and I mean, like, r- literally raised in the church. My my parents were very involved. Um, to be for those who don't know, I was raised in the church. Uh, literally, we're sitting in right now, but raised in in the church that I now pastor, um, and I was very, very, very involved. Um, I mean, my my earliest memories have nothing to do with Jesus, uh, and that sounds it's probably where the rest of my story unfolds. Um, but my my and they're good, they're really good, fond memories. But my my earliest memory of my story of salvation in Christ was in in the van, the church van with my dad. We he used to pick people up on Sundays. We had like a van ministry, and he would pick people up on Sundays, and I would go with him because we would stop at Seven Eleven, and I would get a white Long John, which I still like um, from Seven Eleven. They still got good donuts, uh, and and that was like I would ride with him and pick people up. And now I have tons of memories of church, but like that is that. Like, that's what I get nostalgic about. Like, when I talk about, like, starting in my, my faith, a lot of people have really bad church experiences, and, and I understand that. I had a fantastic one. Like, yeah. I, I mean, um, I had a loving, supporting community. Um, a lot of them are still around even to this day, and I'm not their pastor. But but that's where it started for me, really, was I was raised, like, in the building. My dad played the piano. Um, we sang. We did, I mean, I was... I, as a kid, I was here a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I get that now. You know, my parents were somewhat involved in church. Mm-hmm. My mom probably more than my dad. Um, but we went to um, a big church here in St. Louis, mm-hmm. one of the more larger established churches that have been around for a while. I'll, I'll tell you the name um, out after the podcast, but okay. and you'll know it immediately. And and I'm not, I'm not, not saying it. Uh, well, ultimately, because I, they would need to pay me royalties. To say the name. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad about the church. Sure, sure, sure. I, I actually, I, I do have fond memories of some of the aspects of that church. But like, I know I was, um, you know, raised to go to church, mm-hmm. and we were always going to church at a young age. And I would go to children's church, and then we would be in the large, uh, you know, sanctuary for special services and things. Sure. And, and church was always a huge production. Mm. Um, you know, I was not discipled in church though as a young child. Mm. I was discipled at home. Sure, sure, you sure. Know, like there was not a like my mom had a connection at the church where she was in small groups and things and right. women's groups and whatnot, but I did not have that connection to church. In fact, right. I didn't like the kids that I was in um Sunday school with. Much like today. Much like today. <laughs> I don't like people. Uh <laughs> 
Uh, you know, I always I always dealt with jerks and like always sure. feeling not included, not accepted. Sure. For always obvious, always dumb reasons. You know, it wasn't sure. like I would, it wasn't anything specific. It was just not fitting in. You know. Right. And uh, and also, if you've ever been a part of like a larger church. There's always like specific families, mm-hmm. and I think it's probably in smaller churches. Every church too. has every it, church, yeah. really any uh, any community, right? Has this right? You have the established families, and like so, when you're in these things, the, there's these certain kids that seem to be favored, right? Right, and then they turn out to be real big jerks, <laughs> right, right? Right? Yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. What was the uncle's name from Home Alone? Um, it's like, now you little jerk. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, oh man, it's really, Fuller's dad. I can't think of his name. Yeah, but he's a really. Um, he's a it's really Frank. 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 Uncle Frank. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, Uncle Frank. Yeah. Uh, really underrated villain in movie cinema history. And the fact that you can put a clown in his place and still look like him. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but these kids were jerks, right? You know? And I think that's you. It it's kind of makes the story ripe for, like, I don't want to be involved in church. Sure. And I kind of didn't, mm-hmm. you know, because of that. Um, but at home, you know, at a very young age, I don't remember, like, giving my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. I just know that I did. Mm. Uh, and it was always it was always with me going forward. Mm. Uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at a very young age. Mm. Um, to the point that, like, even in more recent years, I've questioned like the validity behind that. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I, I'm going to the conclusion that it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <Sure>. but, <laughs> you know, well, at the yeah. end of the day too, does, is it, does it matter? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, does it change the fact of your belief in who well, Jesus is? I, I look yeah. back at my life and you can see the, you can see, I can see clearly the mile markers. Oh, for sure. Of the Holy spirit in my life. Sure. You know, um, there's no doubt in my mind that he's been with me every step of the way. Right. So, you know, so like my discipleship and my like understanding of the scripture came from being at home, right? Reading at home, being held accountable for reading at home and doing stuff, Very and cool. like staying in in the scriptures, mm-hmm. um, and then like having to have awkward conversations with my mom about them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's I think that that's so. I kind of I have the same like. I know, I know ex- the exact day, quote unquote. Now, as you hear my whole story, you're yeah. going to be like, "Man, he did it a lot," uh, and I <laughs> did. Uh, but I remember I was seven years old. I was in my room. I remember like I was in my bed. Uh, my dad came in. He always tucked us in at night, and he would pray with us, and he would kneel on the side of the bed uh, to pray with us. And I remember just I was seven. He came in, and I just asked him. I said like. I feel something funny in my heart. And he's like, well, what does that mean? And so I like, I guess, I don't even know how, what sparked it. I mean, you know, we talked a lot about last episode about like justification and sanctification, but there's this first part called provenience, right? This idea of grace that is there, whether you recognize it or not. That was like a provenient grace moment where I was like, I don't understand. Something must have happened at church and Sunday school or something where I I heard, I mean, I've, I, I've never not known Jesus. Like I've always, like I grew up, like I had books about Jesus. I knew Jesus, but like something prompted me at the age of seven to say, I want to give my heart to the Lord and I want to get baptized. And I remember him being like uh, my, my dad, uh, who's an awesome guy. He was like, okay, that's awesome. But I think this is one of the things that I look back on um, 
which is cool about your story. And it wasn't that we read the Bible at my house. We did all these things at my house. But it was funny. When I did that, my dad was like, all right, let's call the pastor. You know, so 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 rather than having that whole conversation, and I don't fault him for it or anything, yeah. but and he was a mighty man of God. I, I, he would wake up every morning and read the Bible at like four in the morning before he'd go to work. I remember waking up. You know, and he'd be reading the Bible. I'm like, what is he doing? You know, so I always had that example. Um, but when it came to like the big moments of faith, like he had that conversation with me. He said, that's awesome. Um, let's let's say a prayer. And so we did say a prayer. And then he's like, all right, now let's call let's call the the, the pastor. And at the time, his name was Tom. And I called Pastor Tom and I told him and we worked through some stuff. And then he, he had me come in at one point in time, go through a little baptism talk. And then I got baptized a couple like weeks, months later. And then I went to Ponderosa. I don't remember much about my baptism aside from it was cold water. And I got to get Ponderosa afterwards. Oh, was um, Ponderosa was yeah, awesome. But, but I, I do think that's like, like you said, there are those milestones and I do remember that. But I think there is something to be said about... And I'm just I'm going to go in pastor mode here for a second. Parents, I'm going to look at the camera. Um, parents, like, don't shy away from the awkward conversations yeah. with your kids, um, even though they might be awkward. Uh, yeah. You know, they're and they're going to ask you some questions, and you're going to say, "I don't know. I'm going to have to go research yeah. that." You know. But you know, <laughs> I've had to come to that realization now that I sure. have kids of my own is. Like I, I sometimes I look at having these conversations with my kids, and I totally understand why your dad would want to call the pastor because you feel a sense of responsibility there. And so I look back at it and I, and I say, I, you know, I I sometimes question, you know, what that looked like for me as a child, but like, okay, did my parents always say it the way I would have wanted them to have said it? Sure. Right. And then, but then there's a, I get to a point where it's like, no, but they said what I needed to hear. Sure. And like, my kids need to know that I may not always say everything a way that, that resonates with them today. And they may get to a point in their youth and their teenage years and their and their college years where they look back and think of me as awkward. Yes. <laughs> as I just said about my parents. Sure. Right. Um, they may look at that. But what was important was that the seed was there. The plant they told me what I needed to hear. Right. And they checked for my understanding. Right. You know, and then that understanding has stayed with me for right. years. So I can look back at it and say, yeah, I felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, as a child trying to determine the things of eternity, mm-hmm. you know, but it worked. Right. Yeah. Well, and it, and it gave you a clear outlet too. You know, I think as a pastor, a lot of parents come to me with a lot of questions all the time that either their kids ask or just they're going through. And, and by all means, do I never – I. I have some answers, whether they're right or wrong, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I have opinions, let's say. Sure. But I think one of the things that – that, not to get us off topic, but one of the things I think that's that's really important to understand, even at this very early phase of life where we're very impressionable as children in our stories, the home is so important. And and I can only do so much as a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I can't save your kid. Yeah. I, can, I really can't, just in general. Jesus can. Um, but, but also – I can't speak to your child in the same way that you can. Yeah. You know, and I and I think that that's um not to say that my my parents always had that door open. Um but that was that was kind of my story of of salvation was I remember I had that I had that moment my dad was like this is awesome he was crying. We prayed the prayer, you know, the sinner's prayer. And then he was like, "All right, let's talk to the pastor about what what we do about baptism." You know, like and so um it, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I immediately think of Christian nationalism, and I know like <laughs> left field, you know, like 
the debate about what happens in public schools and right, right, you know, right. and and this you know this concept of having a Christian nation. This is why our laws and our regulations rules is because our children need to know it. And it's like, okay, I didn't learn the importance of not speeding by right. reading the government decree. Right, I learned it by being taught to drive by my parents. Right, right. And I think sometimes it it would things would be certainly easier if public schools adhered to a Christian oh, sure. doctrine, but they're not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, we can continue to we can work as a society towards sure. something like that for sure. But we can't underestimate or put off the importance of teaching our children mm-hmm. um, what they need to know about Christ mm-hmm. and introducing them to Christ. It's so it's so important. I think churches having children's programs obviously very very important, but mm-hmm. but they only come here once, twice a week. Yeah. They come home every day. You yeah. know, and and I think that that and I look back even on my own in my own story and my own testimony, while my dad did do that, you know, like hey, let's call the pastor moment, um there was never a moment with my mother or my father or any of my family really uh that I couldn't ask or talk about anything. And I am today where I am because of those things. Yeah, and you've already testified in this conversation of your knowledge of who your father was. Oh, yeah. You know, he was he was in the Word. Oh. And you knew that and you know that. And I can say the same thing about my parents. Church wasn't even an option. Even though, like, like I was kind of like you. Like, I didn't, I mean, I had some friends here at the church. This was a, a, not a large church, probably like the one you went to is a medium-sized church at that point in time. Um, but, like, I, the church was not an option. Like you always went. Like yeah. like that was. So I was. I mean, I was raised in that environment. And I never. I don't know if you. I don't know if maybe you did. But I never looked at church as a. Bad, I never was angry or mad or upset with church or you know like. And that yeah. as a kid, like I wasn't always like, oh, I wish I got to stay home and watch cartoons. Like that was never. Church was church. You know, cartoons were Saturday and church was Sunday. Yeah. You know exactly. What I mean? like, exactly. It, was, wasn't yeah. that, it didn't bother me. I like the idea of. Going to church was never a problem for me. Right. I think it was when I became a teenager and I was starting to get to that point of going into youth groups. Mm-hmm. And that's where my attitude changed a little bit because it was no longer a Sunday morning thing. It was an extracurricular thing. Sure. It was an additional service, mm-hmm. right? And and I didn't – truthfully, I've, I've never had a problem with that either. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem I, – because I remember like when my time ended with that church. So mm-hmm. I told you we were at this – pretty large church and sure. in, in the area and um i remember being like in seventh grade and going to their youth group mm-hmm. and we we broke into little small groups because you know you, you it's had like, so big yeah you, you had like a hundred smaller groups right. in this giant gymnasium. <laughs> right, right, right. and there's a guy that's supposed to lead the small group and he was a fairly young individual as mm-hmm. well you know, but he's not the actual youth pastor. He's one of like the yeah. He's a helper. Helpers, yeah, you know, and he's supposed to lead a conversation, and mm-hmm. we're we're trying to have a conversation. And this is a the thing that this is something that I always uh, struggled with as a young person, as, as a child. Was I I took things seriously? Sure. You know, and like I, <laughs> if someone asked you to do something, you you did the thing. You didn't make a snide comment. About sure. It. You didn't like. It's like okay. So I come into this youth group thinking. And and behaving appropriately, right? Right. It's like there's a time for fun, and then there's a time where we're going to do the same. And then if they they ask us a question, then you answer the question to the best of your ability, right? Right. And um, and I remember um, like sitting there, and one of these kids, one of these like whose family was like one of the popular families at sure. the church, um, you know, was in my group, and 
And there was a question about anger. Like, I think we were discussing anger. Yeah. And the question was like, what angers you? And, and the question was posed to me. Yeah. And I was like, well, honestly, I think it's my peers. Uh You know, like I I deal with, (laughs) I deal with... (laughs) Yeah, you, you're, you you're sound, loving this. You sound like a 40-year-old man. You sound like you are today. <laughs> I think your answer hasn't uh, changed since you were in seventh grade. Oh. And I, I didn't say they were my friends. I called them my peers. Sure. Because I was referring to kids who were roughly my age. Sure. Who treated me poorly or behaved certain ways. Sure. That I understood were wrong. Sure. And I was like, you know, this these types of things make me angry. And I think mm-hmm. I was dealing with um, at least one bully Sure. You know, and it wasn't like a big thing. It was just there was at least one kid at, at, sure. on the bus that I had a problem with. Oh, the bus always gets you. Yeah, buses are, are rough. Yeah. You know, um, and and the man, I okay. This is a you're probably hearing a little bit of this testimony. I've always dealt with a bit of a superiority complex <laughs> because the 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 teacher was like, "What? Uh, what, what do you mean by peers?" Uh-huh. And I was kind of like, it's self-explanatory. <laughs> like, it's it's a word in the dictionary. Yeah, do you need like, me to get you a book? <laughs> right. And so now I'm trying to think of like a, you know, a, like what well, you got a thesaurus? You know, <laughs> I was like, well, you know, it's like like your friends, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. I'm trying to equate it. Sure. For the teacher, so that they understand the verbs that I'm using, <laughs> and I'm and or nouns, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you get my point. Right. I get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I and I was a little put off by that. <laughs> But as a as a thirteen year old, and uh, and that kid mm-hmm. across the circle, mm-hmm. well, your friends make you angry. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's dumb. Yeah, you know, and like, and then and then did you just say see 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 what I mean? Yeah, and that was exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But I was a <laughs> I was at a place in my life. I was thirteen. I was <laughs> I, I was I'm not. I was always been fairly non confrontational. Sure, but it's like. You know, like at that point, why even talk any further? Which sure. Kind of my attitude, like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Which is exactly why I'm angry right now. Right. Which is why I'm not going to continue to answer your questions. Right. You know, and so like, so that w- that allowed me to withdraw, mm-hmm. and I felt justified in withdrawing and saying, I don't really want to be here. Sure. You know. Um, sure. And so that that was kind of my first instance of saying I don't want to be involved in church. Now, what's interesting about that, though, to me, maybe not to everyone, is I never equated that to the gospel. Sure. Like, it was obvious to me that the problem was not church. Right. The problem wasn't the word or the scripture or any of that, or even the the conversation that we were attempting to have. Sure. The problem was... Your peers. Was my peers. Yes. yes. <laughs> it was this one kid yeah. who wanted to be a jerk. Right. And a, and a youth leader who didn't know how to control the situation. Sure, sure. Right. And so, like, for me, that became a, just a banked moment sure. of you need to make sure these things don't happen. Sure. You know, as sure. you move forward in your life. And if you're in that guy in charge of that circle, that you're not allowing people to speak to – kids to speak to each other like that when we're discussing the Word of God. Right. You know, not in a sense of everything needs to be serious. If you're watching this or listening to this, you know that, like, <laughs> seriousness isn't – No, no. Every, you know. No, we, we can get serious, but yeah. yeah. But, like, you don't you – don't, Make fun of a stranger, right? In the middle of a conversation of, of vulnerability about right anger in Christ, you know, like right. How do you reconcile anger in Christ? Right, you know, and uh, so I don't know. Like those are the types of moments I've had. I've had moments like that all throughout my life in sure. church, 
where somebody does something or says something that I'm like, yeah, that was wrong. But you've never, and I think this is important, especially for someone maybe listening or watching today, you never equated that, you never faulted God for that. Yeah, exactly. 100%. I always saw a a differential, like, Mm -hmm. and I I think this was, you know, a credit to my parents um, and how they taught me that, like, look, there's, there is one absolute. Right. And that is God and, Mm -hmm. and his word. The person who reads it to you or tries to relay it to you is fallible. Right. 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 Which is why the word is actually very accessible. Sure. Because you need to be in it yourself. Right. Um, so just because somebody gets it wrong, and like that's the, that's the issue that I run into with a lot of people who say they they're uh, I just I don't get church. I don't want to be a church. I don't like God. I don't really get the whole God thing. Yeah. What you find out is that they have a hurt from what an individual a person, did. yeah, yeah, person yeah. did something, or or a people did something yeah. to them, and so the, their issue isn't with God; their issue is with Christians or proclaiming Christians, right, who didn't live out God's word, right, right, you know, and then so they didn't separate the two, and say. Well, I'm going to continue to follow God. Instead, they said, "Well, if that's what people who follow God are like, then I'm going to do something opposite." Well, and that's kind of that's a little bit of part of my story is like you know I I was had that fantastic upbringing in the church as a young boy and and you know nothing but positive experiences. Um, I had a lot of people pouring life into me, a lot of people. Um, building me up and doing, you know, just amazing things. I was very involved in our youth group. It was non-existent when I was, when I, I was in that weird gap where all the people were before me and there was a bunch of people after me, but there was like just me and then another girl. Um, and which was weird because you can't have a guy and a girl in the youth group together. Um, I mean, you can, um, but if There's you, there might be a baby yeah. there too. Right. Uh, no, <laughs> just, but, but yeah. So, so eventually though, they, they started to grow a youth group and I, I, I got involved in the youth group and it's really interesting because for me, my teenage years were defined, and this is weird. As I was thinking about this, it, there's a lot of things in my life that I had done and put on myself that no one else did, and I look back on it and I'm like, "Oh, that was me." And I didn't. Re- but my, I would say my teenage years were defined by legalism. Okay. Like uh, now, now church. The older generations have been a little legalistic. Every church has some legalism in it. Um, But no one here was overly legalistic and, you know, pointing fingers and telling me what I can and can't do. I think my only negative experience at church was I was at a Sunday night service one time and I was playing cars on one of the pews. Like I had some matchbox cars and I was racing them around in the pew. And I guess I got a little loud because an old woman behind me uh, hollered at me and was like, you stop that. Um, And my mom was like, just play with you know, so like that was probably the only negative experience I had, even legalistically wise. Um, no one, no one, and I looked pretty crazy. I, you know, I probably around like middle school, I started like getting really into like punk rock and things like that. So like I started wearing like a lot of that kind of clothing and having the kind of hair and all that jazz. Um, but like it was interesting for me because my high school years, let's just say, were really defined by like this legalistic battle in my own mind because I knew what was right and I knew it was wrong. But one of the things I really struggled with, I didn't know why it was right and why it was wrong. I just knew it was, right? So like, you know, you have the ideas of like no sex until marriage. No, that's wrong. Don't really know why. You shouldn't smoke. No, that's wrong. And I know why probably health-wise it's wrong, but I don't really know biblically why it's wrong. You know, or, or you know, so I had all of these things I was told don't do. Right. And I was being confronted with them constantly because a lot of my peers 
uh, if you will say. Uh, they were, I would say they were peers and some of them were friends and some of them were friends who were really peers. Um, but a lot of them weren't in church. Yeah. They weren't raised in the same environment I was. Um, you know, I have one, one really dear friend. His name's Ryan. I can shout him out. Ryan Deloach. She's an awesome dude. Um, was the only friend I had at that time that was involved in church. I had another guy named Tommy, Tommy Wagner, shout out to Tommy, um, who who was kind of brought up Catholic, but his parents let him come around. So like he was, like I only had like two or three people. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I couldn't talk to a lot of people about God or Jesus or, or, or things. I had more people who were like, hey, like let's just start smoking pot and like hanging out and getting drunk. And so I was in this environment where I was constantly faced with this, I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm not really sure why. And as I began to get older, it, you know, it was easy when I was like 15 and 16 because I really didn't, I, it really, and this is, this is part of the battle. It came about, I didn't want to disappoint my parents. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I don't, I don't, I, I'm a good kid. I want to, you know, we talked about good last episode. Like that's, I want to be a good kid. I want to, I want to honor my mother and father. That's biblical. Right. Like, you know, so I want to do that. But then as I got to like 16, 17, 18, I was like, forget my parents. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> I was in that rebellious age. And so then I started being confronted with this. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I don't know why. And because I, and I'm a why guy, like that's what I am. Got to know the why. You got to know the why. Um, I, I, with, with Landry and Josie, my children, I always tell them the why, whether they want to know it or not, but that's just cause it's me. It's ingrained in me. I didn't really understand why. And so when my friends would be like, well, why can't you do that? Like I, I, funny, I'm going to tell you like a funny thing, how I started, you know, getting into the sex, drugs and rock and roll lifestyle was one of my friends was like, ah, oh, but weed just comes from a plant and God made plants, didn't he? And I was like, Ooh, good argument. You know, at the age of 18, you're like, Oh, he's got me, you know? And so, so I started being confronted with this legalistic view of God, which is you, you don't do this and you're a sinner. And then no one in my church, um, said, you're going to hell. You know, like no one in my church was condemning me. Um, most of the church didn't even know, cause I was still coming to church. And I was still trying to do the best I could, yeah. you know, um, putting on that show. But like my teenage years were defined by this legalistic battle that eventually turned me, you know, as we jump into the college years, eventually turned me into that person that it wasn't Christians around me were being bad Christians or anything like that, but it made me resent the church because like, man, the church is just like an anti-fun establishment. Well, that's, that's for you, that's where you felt like you got that idea from. Right. Like it was it was my life in church that made me not want to do these things. Right. Therefore, the church was not fun. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It was no fun zone and I want to be a fun guy, you know? And so I was like, forget this. Someday you know? he might be. <laughs> someday, someday I may. Baby, I'm still trying, man. I'm still trying to find that fun zone. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, wow. that's where a lot of people go astray is is they either blame the church for something but they blame God or Jesus for something a person did or they see the church as this um rigid no fun zone super legalistic um you know place of law and order and we all you know we we there's very and seriousness is like there's you know I'm I'm not a very serious guy but like if I do a funeral like I'm going to be serious okay like there's yeah. there's moments to be serious and so I think a lot of people though think that the church is only serious like there's no like like they forget that the fruits of the spirit are love joy 
Yeah. You know, like joy, joy is a, a fun word, you know? And so um, when I got to college, because I didn't know the why of all of these things and why I'm doing X, Y, and Z or not doing X, Y, and Z, and because I began to build up this small resentment to church, mm-hmm. which therefore I equated to God, I also was confronted with you know, I went to Greenville College, which is now Greenville Christian University, a Christian school. Uh, ironically, I went to college to be um, a worship leader. Mm-hmm. I got in the worship leading classes, and I was like, forget this. I don't want to learn all this. I knew music theory, but I didn't want to know that much music theory. So I was like, forget this. Sure. I just want to play in a band. It's a lot of music theory for a four-chord system. It is for <laughs> for, for a modern music system that, that does ex- doesn't expand between C, G, D, and E. It was, it was a lot of work. And I was like, I don't need to know this. I just want to be in a band. I want to be in a band. I want to be... Um, a rock star, you know, like basically for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I I found some dudes to be in a band with and we started a band and started playing shows and all that jazz. And so I was really, some people go to college to like get an education. I went to a college to just meet some guys to be in a band with. And like, so, so that's basically what ended up happening was I, I wasn't failing out of school. I was doing really well in school actually, but I was also in this band. Um, that was my focus. And I know it sounds really weird, but no, it's, it doesn't sound weird. I think it's it it's just a it's a mindset. It is. It is a mindset. And so, but what was interesting was I went to this Christian school with a good Christian intention. I got kind of caught up in the. I want to say truthfully that the fame of being in a band. You know, I wanted to. We wanted to make a name for ourselves, and we played shows, and we toured, and we were on record labels, and all that jazz. Um, but one of the things that happened in the midst of all of that was as I was kind of focusing on that me, me, me mentality, I was taking these classes that were also questioning my faith, mm-hmm. and they were Christian classes, and they were designed to enhance your faith. But the problem is no one had ever confronted me with any of these questions before. And I was in a me mindset and I started being confronted with why do you believe the things you do? And I came to this conclusion where I was like, I don't, I don't believe any of this stuff. Like, like Jesus, like, here's where I got in college. I was like, Jesus is a good guy. Um, if, if there is a God and I don't even think there is a God cause God, the concept of God sounds made up and stupid and, and ruly. Like he's, he's a ruler, you know, I, I ain't about that life. And, you know, I, I came to these conclusions, all that basically what I had been told, I had really truly been sold. I, you know, like I, I had, I had bought something and I had this buyer's remorse that was not like, and it's funny looking back on it, as far as a church goes, I had a great church family. I had an awesome church home. So the fact that I would even get to the point to where I would be like, forget you, God, is funny now. But in the moment, I was very much so like, God ain't real. Jesus certainly ain't the son of God. He probably did exist because history, you know, that's that's there. It's, yeah, it's not historically. Uh, it's hard to disprove Jesus historically, especially yeah. since we're still talking about it. But I saw Jesus as, he was more like a Gandhi figure, you know, like, and so I began to dumb down all the stuff that I believed to the fact that I just quit believing. Yeah. And and I professed it, you know, probably the age of like 21 to 22, those those few years there. I was saying like I'm 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 like a light atheist hard agnostic. Like, you know, like I I had something in me that was unwilling to fully say God doesn't exist, but I was on that cusp of saying like I called him dumb, you know. And I'm still here. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get struck yeah. by lightning, but <laughs> yeah, he didn't strike me down. Not yet. Uh, and so, so, uh, so that's that's where I that's where I ended up because of that those teenage years. Yeah. Which, by the way, we are starting a pool for what day it will be that God will strike you down. Uh, <laughs> 
it's kind of like a Deadpool, but it's not. It's, yeah. it's just for me getting struck by the Lord. That's right. <laughs> Man, so it's funny because, uh, you know, when I went through, when I got from like that 13 to 18 stage, like I, we ended up switching churches, going to a smaller church. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up with a lot of that legalism mm. from different members of the church, mm. from, again, some peers, sure. you know. <laughs> Uh, but for me, it always came back to the who instead of the what. Right. Right. If there was one thing that I could always know was true, mm-hmm. it was that God is God mm-hmm. and the Bible is his word. Right. And if something's not lining up, it's because I'm missing something. Mm, sure. And it's there. I just have to get to it. Very cool. Right. Um, so regardless of the different people that I would interact with, you know, saying ridiculous things or doing ridiculous things, sure. you know. Um, gosh, I mean, think, okay, so think about this. I remember when I was 18, I was in a youth group, and we had this youth pastor. I've told you a couple stories about that. And, um, you know, and I want to make sure that I, I, on the record, say that I love this man. Mm-hmm. He's not perfect. Sure, sure. I had some He's issues. a person. Yeah, he's a yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. I had some issues with how he taught certain things and sure. some of the things he taught, right? Um, but... Um, I remember there was also a young lady. She she and I were the same age. Mm-hmm. And as we were getting older, we were developing different personalities. Mm-hmm. And I had a personality that the younger members in the in the youth group, and this is gonna be surprising to you, like were drawn to, <laughs> right? And she had a different personality that was a little bit more biting and a little bit more sure. like hurtful mm-hmm. um, with the way she behaved and, and acted towards him. Sure. And it's like, and look, again, this is a, this was just a young woman, sure, you know, figuring out who she is and, and learning to live her life. Like, I don't, there's no animosity, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And what would happen is, is these younger members of the church would come to me, of this youth group would come to me and say things to me like, oh, this girl, man, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, she's such a blah, 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 blah. Right. And I would say, that's not okay. Right. Like, look, I know that you're frustrated, but we have to love her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's our sister in Christ. Right. You know, because I'm incredibly noble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trust me, I've said some things, I've done some things, right? Uh, but the, you know, that I always would come back to that. And that, for me, anytime I've been put in a situation like that, I've always come back to that. Sure. So one day after a youth uh, group meeting, uh, somebody comes against me and says, hey, pastor wants to see you in this room over here. So, okay. So I go mm-hmm. in there and he's in there. This young woman's in there. She's in tears. Oh, and then there's a, a woman who's one of the youth sponsors in mm-hmm. there as well. Um, again, all lovely people, just trying to do their best. Sure, sure. Okay, um, and you know, they begin to tell me that the reason she's crying is because she believes that like I'm turning people against her, mm-hmm. and she feels like she's being outcast. Sure. And the pastor looks at me, the youth pastor looks mm-hmm. at me and says, like, you know, like, what am I supposed to do when I'm supposed to have these two rock solid, you know, you know like youth leaders? Because we right. were like, we weren't just members of the youth. He he wanted to do these training things where we helped lead. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Which was great. You yeah. know, like, I get where he was going with that. He's like, well, what am I supposed to do when I'm supposed to have these two youth leaders and they are creating division in my sure, youth, sure. you know, in my youth group, uh-huh. right? And uh, and I said, okay, well, you know what? I I got nothing, right? And and I stopped and I said, 
we're going to have to revisit this mm-hmm. because you've walked me into this room and I don't think anything I'm going to say right now is going to be beneficial to the conversation. Sure. Like, okay, so imagine being 18 and like having to explain to your youth pastor that ambushing him and putting the division or his perceived division right. of our youth group on that young man's shoulders. Right. And I have to be the one to explain to him that this wasn't okay. Right. You know, and... Uh, and having another sponsor there too at the same time. another sponsor yeah. and, a, and a young lady crying. <laughs> and I'm being told that I'm... If anybody had the right to walk out and say, this is BS. <laughs> right, yeah. To heck with the church. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, I'm done. Yeah. But the truth is, again, I knew mm-hmm. in my heart this is like, look, whatever we have going on as people, we have to figure it out. Right. But that's not the gospel. Sure. The gospel is still true. Sure. God is still God. Sure. So we need to figure out how to work through that. Sure. You know, and I got together with him later. It was the two of us. And he commended me on my wisdom of like not acting in the moment. Sure, sure, sure. But then as I began to try to relay this story, I was like, well, here's what happened. This, right. These kids were coming to me because they said that she's, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. She's not here to defend herself, so we're not going to talk about her. Right. Okay, but like you want to talk about our actions. Like, right. And I'm not saying she did that. I'm telling you that somebody – no, no, we're not going to talk about this. Right. Okay, fine. Like here's what I know. Like all I've ever done is try to tell people sure, that like they, that they should love her. Right. All I've ever done is tell people that they should forgive her. All I've ever done is try to – you know, do this. And if you feel like there's division in our church, perhaps you should look to the leadership. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. you're in charge. Right, 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 right. You know, yeah. so like, w- like maybe start there. Right. As a pastor, I always try to deflect all the blame yeah. to yeah. everybody. But <laughs> well, that's the way to go, right? And like, look, uh, he and I had a conversation about this later. Sure. So, um, you know, but. I felt like I was getting through, and right. the conversation ended with him saying, I just want you to think about this moment when you're my age mm-hmm. and some kid half your age is telling you that you're what's wrong with your ministry. <laughs> and I said, you didn't hear a word I <laughs> right. In my head. Right, right, right. Because, right. sure. again, I'm non-confrontational. Sure, sure. So I, you hadn't reached your, your total Ron Swanson yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, and I'm still not – I'm still very unconfrontational, um, but – you know, I, I said, okay, and I walked away, and I knew it was like, I'm going off to college in a couple months. Right. I'm not coming back here. Sure, sure, sure. I may come back to this church, but I'm right. not coming back to this ministry. Right, And right. this church, and I'm, I'm not going to continue to subject myself to this. And I had an understanding that I – and, like, you got to be careful with this sometimes, but I have the right to be where God needs me to be. I right. have the right to – if this church is – not the right mm-hmm. place, if it is dampening the Holy Spirit, if it is preventing me from entering and learning, right? then I can move on. Right. Now, at the same time, though, you don't want to church hop. Right, right, right. You have to find I, a place. I took that very seriously, and I chose never to leave or go somewhere unless I felt God wanted me there. Sure. Um, so I continued to be at that church for a while. Sure. In fact, it ended up becoming the de facto youth pastor at one point of that mm-hmm. church. Um, after he had moved on to do mm-hmm. something else. So, um, like, I don't know, like, so in that kind of in that uh, time frame, to me, like, it never, God never ceased to be God. Right. And I knew in my heart, like, I, I we had a prayer meeting and I was praying and God told me, mm-hmm. you know, and there's only two moments in my life that I can point to and I say, 
God said something to me, not audibly, mm-hmm. but like definitively. Right. This was the second time. And it was, you're going to go to Christ for the Nations Institute, which mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. for college, and you're going to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Now, there's like, I've not ever held the title of pastor. Sure. I'm fine with that. Sure. That doesn't mean I haven't been in my calling. Sure. You know, um, God's really shown me what he's meant by that over the years. But, like, God has always been – I've always seen him as my North Star. Sure. It doesn't matter what's happening around – I'm going to go to – now, was I perfect? Right. No. Right. Sure, sure, sure. Near the end of my high school career, I started having a serious relationship with a young lady, mm-hmm. and it was not a pure relationship. Sure. You know, and it became a, a real issue for me. And I remember I got into college, I got into Bible college, and I remember uh, I got through my first semester, I went home for Christmas, mm-hmm. saw my girlfriend, mm-hmm. went back, and now I was going to be a resident assistant. So <laughs> part of my job was to, like, keep people in line. Uh-huh. And I was I had a lead resident assistant that I reported to, and he and I got together, and he was like, you seem upset. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, the thing is, like, I went home mm-hmm. and I saw my girlfriend uh-huh. and he understood what I was inferring. Uh-huh. And um, and he was like, so what? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't necessarily approve of that, <laughs> but it was one of those moments for me where it was kind of like, he was like, look, this guy, <laughs> I love this man. But again, imperfect people. Sure. Just trying to do their best. He understood that to him, I think what he tried to understand was that God's calling was maybe more important than falling on this quote unquote sword, sword. of integrity. Sure, sure, you know? sure. Um, it's like, look, you, you just got to try to do better. Mm-hmm. He's right. Like, and, you know, and very like, like just very misguidedly was like, yeah, let me tell you about the first time I went home from college. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, well, that was too much. Don't tell me that. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into the – That's our next – That's our, that's next, our next podcast is yeah. – uh, Let me tell you about the first time I went home. <laughs> from <a> college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but like that – that uh, because I always knew sure. that God was God. Mm-hmm. And because I had an understanding that his word was true. Right. Those moments in my life where I was not in line with that in an area of my life. Right. It was never the entirety of my life. Mm. Caused a lot of guilt and condom, self condemnation. Right. You know. Now, like, I never condemned myself to hell. Sure. You know, I never thought I had lost my salvation. Sure. I just knew that I wasn't like that. This sanctification process was going too slow. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. And, like, and that I wasn't contributing enough to it. Well, I think, and I think the difference between like you and me was I questioned God. You questioned people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean that in a positive way. Like I think if if anything anybody can get, even from right now in this 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 podcast so far, I would and it sounds terrible to, to say this, but this is the truth. If you understand that people stink, mm-hmm. you're gonna be better off in life. Right. But what I just heard you say was that what you what people need to get from this podcast is that Tim did it right and Brandon didn't. Well, yeah, it's probably true. Yeah, uh, I know and, that's what you want me to do. And to, to go no. further, <laughs> it's because Tim's better. <laughs> To, yes, I mean that is that is what you yeah that's that's a hundred percent no but I think I think like that's where the, I think that's where two the difference lies right I think a lot of us are like me and we blame God yeah but not 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 everybody's like me some people are like you and they see and understand 
people are people. And, and, and I've had to come to this realization even in my life. People are going to let you down. Yeah. I, you're going to let yourself down. Your spouse is going to let you down. Your parents are going to let you. Everybody's going to let you down. God is the only constant that will not. And that's biblical. That's scriptural. 100%. And and so I think that that a lot of us, when questions emerge, we're inclined not to introspection and to say, okay, well, let me try and understand the heart of the person and what they were trying to do. Let me also understand that people are flawed. Mm-hmm. A lot of us just automatically are like, we're perfect. We don't need to introspect. It's their problem. It's the person's problem yeah. or it's God's problem. Well, you know, we talked about that a little bit in the last episode is, you know, it's easy to look at somebody else and say they're wrong, they're bad, they're evil, they're right. doing wrong things. But we look at ourselves with a lot more grace. Oh, yeah. Of like, well, I'm not a bad person. I just make mistakes and I'm right. perfect. And you should give me the grace that I give myself. Right. While I won't give you the grace that I'd give myself. Right. You know, so we hold people to a standard. And then when they don't meet it, we blame God. Right, which is funny because, like, I had the audacity, and it's funny to say this now. I had the audacity in college, first off, to say, you know, there is no, there is no God. God is, you know, this concept of control or whatever. Um, but I had the audacity to think I'm smarter, a than God, which is pretty audacious. Yeah. But I also had the audacity to say I'm smarter than all of these extremely intelligent, well-known people through centuries. I'm not just talking like the last 10 years. I'm talking centuries yeah. who have written about him. And I was like, nope, I've got it figured out. <laughs> like, like the pride level in me was so stinking high that I was like, I am smarter than than the creator. <laughs> Bold statement, Cotton. Another one see if is pants up for right. And I also had the, the boldness to say I knew better than some of the what I would like. Not even an argument. Like philosophy classes, his like throughout history have said these are the people you read, the classics. I thought I was smarter than them. You know, that's 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 pretty crazy to think about. But that's that's kind of like where my story Man. shift, right? That's, that's everybody, I think, struggles with that. Sure. I think everybody sees themselves as being a definitive resource. Sure. Like, I, I, I have the authority to speak my truth in my situation. And, like, even if I'm reading um, an atheist or I'm reading mm-hmm. an agnostic uh, sure. philosopher or – psychoanalyst or mm-hmm. any of those people, like how I feel, if I don't like what they say, yeah, then how I feel supersedes. I know better than them. This, yeah, yeah, what they do. And like, look, there's going to be moments where that's true. Sure, sure. There's going to be moments where somebody incredibly intelligent is going to say something very wrong. Mm-hmm. And you have to find a way to discern that that's not true. Sure. You know, the struggle and the temptation, though, is to trust in yourself. Right. And you can't. You have to trust in an actual truth. You right. have to know the source of truth. Right. God is the source of truth. Right. And you know, you and I were talking about this before we started, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna maybe jump on that before you That's get okay. to it. No, but you can go as you had asked me, like, what was it that like sustained you, or what was it that motivated, motivated, yeah, you? What, what motivated it? Yeah. So I told you there were two moments in my life that I could look to and say mm-hmm. God spoke to me. Mm-hmm. The first one, I don't even remember how old I was. And this is going to sound so childish to a degree, but mm-hmm. I was I was a child, mm-hmm. and you know I was taught to say prayers before I go to bed, and sure. I was going to bed and I was saying a prayer and I said, "Good night, Jesus, I love you." Mm-hmm. And in my heart, in my spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and you can if you want to laugh at me, that's fine. Not you personally, you don't. <laughs> but you know, if somebody listens wants to laugh about this about the whims of a child, sure. But 
I felt it. I heard it. Mm-hmm. He said, I love you too. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's so, oh, Jesus loves me, this I know. Right. But no, like he said he loved me and I knew it yeah. to be true sure. immediately. And I jumped out of bed and I went and I told my parents mm-hmm. and I told my mom, like, God said he loves me. Mm-hmm. Jesus says he loves me. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's exciting. I was excited sure. by that. Yeah. Right. And that truth has never left me. Right. Jesus loves me. Right. Everything he did, he did because he loves me. And not just me, he loves right. you. Right. And he only his truth only exists because he wants what's best for me. Right. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? Like and we can like that's why the parent analogy works so well. Sure. You know, a good parent mm-hmm. does what's best for their child. Right. Regardless of how the child feels. Mm-hmm. You know, and like when a parent tells a child, don't put your hand on the stove, it's hot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if the child feels they're wrong. It is truth. Right. Right? right. And you only limit the child with that command because you love them. Right. And you don't want to see them get hurt. Right. And what we do as a people, as humanity, mm-hmm. is we say, no. Mm-hmm. God, first of all, I reject your truth, and I'm going to put my hand on that stove. And then when it gets burnt, mm-hmm. we say, how could you let this happen to me? Right. right. As, as if there's a there's a lack of understanding of the only way God could prevent you mm-hmm. from making mistakes, from being sinful, is to take away your free will. Right. The only way he could prevent you right. from going to hell without doing what everything we've done right. was to not give you a spark of humanity to begin with. Right, right. right? To not give you... To take away all your choice. Exactly. And you will never know the joy of doing what is right. Right. If you don't have the freedom to do what is wrong. Right, right. You know, and so anyway... Man, you thought all that as a kid? That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was like, I was a kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I grew into it. Sure. No, 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 for real. But there was... I had a promise. Right. That I was in God's love from the time that I was young. Right, right. And it didn't matter. Sure. You know, and then I had that second promise that you need to go to Christ for the Nations because that's where I want you to be to right. become who you need to be. Right. And I would share that with people at there because Christ for the Nations had a bunch of weird rules. Mm-hmm. Some people would call it legalistic, but it was because they didn't understand what legalism was. They sure. just wanted to rage. Sure. So it was in Dallas, Texas, and you had like like the grass was hard to grow because mm-hmm. it was hot. Mm-hmm. And so we had rules about don't walk on the grass. Mm-hmm. And we had rules like don't see rated R movies. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'd have this conversation with person after person when I was a resident assistant. And then after school, I became the assistant dean to the dean of men mm-hmm. who ran the resident assistant program, <laughs> right? Uh, and I remember like kids would come in and – I call them kids, but they're college age. So they're right. young adults uh, would come in and be like, I just think it's a stupid rule. Right. And I would always ask them the same question. Because I knew in my heart why I was there. Right, sure, sure. God called me. Sure. And I would say, did God call you to be here? Mm-hmm. Did God tell you to come here or did your parents send you? Did you – Right. Like, why are you here? Right. And Well, yeah, God called me to be here. So, okay, great. Did God call you here to change our rules about whether or not you can watch a rated R movie or did he call you to be submissive to the rules that are in place because he has a lesson for you to learn? Right, right. Well, I don't know. Well, I, but – but there's nothing wrong with watching Radar movies. I'm not saying there is. Right, right, right. I'm not telling you this. I'm telling you that there is something wrong in being disobedient to Christ. Sure, sure, sure. So 
Do you want to be obedient to Christ to get what he has for you, or do you want to be the revolutionary that changes the campus of Christ for the Nations Institute that allows us to walk on the ground? The Martin Luther. And watch <laughs> rated R movies. <laughs> Right, yeah. Martin Luther, who yeah. nails yeah. ninety-five nails like, theses yeah. in for R-rated movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what kind of theses is that, anyway? Like, it's weird to me because I always looked at those things as, I always looked at those things as so non-consequential. Oh yeah, who cares if I can watch rated R movie or sure. not? That's not important, right? You know, like um, when I, I remember I was eighteen, I was in high school. I wanted to get my ear pierced, and my, mm-hmm. my mom was like, you know, you can't get your ear pierced, mm-hmm. you know. And she had this whole thing about it, about like, well, it's a sign of rebellion, and, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a – and, you know, so there was like a little level of, of legalism in that. Sure, sure. And so I didn't get my ear pierced. Mm-hmm. And I'm in high school and like talking to friends and stuff, and I'm like, you're 18. You can do what you want. Yeah. Go yeah. get your ear pierced. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, that's not how life works. Right. I'm under authority. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in my parents' house, which mm-hmm. means I abide by their rules. Right. You know. My parents never actually said that to me. Sure. They were, they were you're going to live here. You're going to live by our rules. Right. They never did that. Right. I had an understanding of it's not my place to make this decision for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, not at this time. Mm-hmm. Now, the second I could, the second I felt that it was appropriate, I did go get my airport. Sure, sure, sure. And there was no problem with that. Sure. You know, but I understood that in this moment, I am under these rules. Right. And there's a reason for it. And if I can endure it, then I can mm-hmm. then I can get to the understanding of why. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like we talked about in our last episode is, you know, it's it's not sin. It's the rejection of God. Right. You have to serve Jesus. Right. You have to learn what servitude is. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think like that for me, like that was that was the hardest part because I was I would have been the kid coming to you. I wouldn't even have been the kid coming to you. I'd just be the kid doing it. Yeah. Like I'd be the one that's like, this is a stupid oh, trust rule. Trust me, we just we caught them. Okay. Good. That's why okay. they were in the okay. office. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I would proceed after our conversation to go do it again. Like yeah. because I'm I am such a person of like I it's just in my being, it's who I am. Better or worse, I need to know why. And 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 part of one of the things I've come to in my later years of, of life now, you know, all thirty six of them, um, thirty five. I don't even know how old I am. I'm alive. Uh, and the time that I've been alive and gotten older, I have learned that it's okay to not necessarily understand why, you know. Um, but like in in my college years, especially, I wanted to know the why sure. and like what brought me back to Jesus and to a faith in God. Well, it was a faith in God. It wasn't even faith in Jesus because I thought I thought Jesus was a good dude, historically speaking. But I couldn't get the divinity of Jesus if I didn't have divinity in general. And so what brought me back to this concept of a, of a, of a God was this humbling moment where I had I had thought I had I knew the reason why. I had been duped. I had been lied to. Everything about Church is like I said. I wasn't told. I was sold into mm-hmm. the faith, uh, and um, they pulled the wool over my eyes, and I want my money back. I had all of that because I had it figured out. But what brought me back was this really humbling moment, where you know I mentioned his name earlier because he is he is an important figure in my life, and I'll never meet him because he was long dead before I was even here. A guy named Thomas Aquinas in one of my philosophy classes, very well known um, classical continental f- philosophy guy. I mean. So many people – see, I'd read Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, mm-hmm. and he his whole doctrine is all about just do what you want. Yeah. And that's what I was like. Yeah, you're darn right. You can. It's easy to say God is dead when you think you're God. Uh, you know, so <laughs> so so I had, I had read that and then I read – and that's what sparked it. I was like, oh, man. And then I read this 
this Thomas Aquinas, he, you know, he's a monk. He's a old, 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 I mean, long dead medieval Catholic writer. Um, but yet even, even Nietzsche read him. You know what I mean? Everybody read him. Everybody, because he was that smart. He was just a smart guy. And I remember reading his things and, and coming to this realization, A, as I was reading it, saying like, oh, wow, he's got a really good point. But I came to this realization that he was telling me a lot of the why and the why, the, the five proofs for the existence of God. The very the biggest thing is the initial mover. Um, and it's just who moved what? And he basically just asked this philosophical question of, well, what did that? Why did that happen? Why, why, why? And eventually you reduce it all the way down. It's not a God of the gaps. It's literally the, the answer is God. Like He said, look, everything can be reduced to one thing and it's God, a creator. And if you can get that concept, he said, now you can move forward. Now, yeah. you, now things, now you can begin to make sense of things, not because you're putting God in the gaps, but because now the gaps are being filled with other scriptures and things like that, because now you recognize, oh, God does do those. And so I, it was this humbling moment for me where the why became the, the very thing I was running away from was actually the very reason I came back was all of the, you, br I broke my faith down so much that I was like such a nihilist, didn't believe in anything. And I was like, what a sad existence, you know, like, uh, just, just to eat and die. Like, this is awful. Like there's gotta be more to life than this. And, and I had that moment though, where that, that shape, because I think it was in that moment when I, you know, I, I came back to this realization that, okay, God may exist. Then I did what anybody would do. And I started searching out who God is obviously has to be monotheistic because God by definition is the supreme being. So you can't have this multi-God where there's a million. So I had three monistic faiths, mononistic faiths, there's uh, theistic faiths rather, um, you know, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, red Judaism. Hey, thought that's a good one. Let me read the second chapter. Hey, thought that's a great chapter. Let me read the third chapter. I thought, man, wait a minute, that contradicts the second chapter. So I went back to the second chapter. I mean, that's the really abridged version of how I got there. Um, <laughs> I don't want to bore you with all the details, but it was, it was in this constant um, development of discerning who God was that I think I came to the, the idea of authority and God's authority being a good thing because in because in 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 my college years I would have been the guy not only just walking on the uh on the grass but I would have been like <laughs> this is a really funny one this is terrible I'm a pastor guys um <laughs> there like obviously there's like you couldn't do any profanity or anything like that my friends and I played a game where we would try to see who could flick each other off across campus the longest. And so we would literally just walk around campus flicking each other off. And and because you can't you can't say bad words, but we weren't saying bad words. You know, that's the kind of guy I was, you know. Yeah. Um and and so Yeah, I would hate you. Yeah, I know. You would you would <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would have tried to get me expelled so fast. Um but it was it was but it's because I thought I know who cares? Who cares about the rules? The rules are stupid because I'm smarter. And then when I started to see that I'm actually quite stupid, then you start to see, okay, well, who is smart? And then when you realize that God is the only, you know, when you recognize that people stink and God is real and God is true and, and that the truth of Jesus is in fact true, yeah. that authority, that mindset of, of, like I said, I, uh, last last podcast, I said we're. It's not about trying to be perfect; it's about trying to please. No, no, you do want to be perfect because that's part of pleasing. But the goal is to the goal is to please God. That's our goal. We want to please Jesus, and so like that that mentality started coming, and that's when I started to accept. I don't necessarily need to understand the why. I need to know the big why. I need to know why God 
created. I need to know why God gave us free will. I need to know why Jesus had to die. I need to know all of those things, the whys behind them, the whys of my faith. But I didn't need to know why I shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. Because at that that point, I could get to where you were, which was then I could just trust knowing that God has good things in store. And that was a game changer for me because it wasn't now, oh, well, I, I'm going to quit smoking and quit drinking and quit doing, and I did all that stuff. I quit. But one of the funny things about it was it transferred into other bigger moments. Like I'm going to move my family and job and do all like, the big things. And I would just say, I, I you know, why? Because God said so. And if you would have told me that as a teenager, I would have been like, deuces, I'm out of here, you know? But yet in that moment, I recognized that like, because God said so is the best answer because God, first off, God is the author of good and God, and the Bible says that his plans for you are good. Yeah. So, so if, and the Bible is not a liar. So if God's plans are good and he is good, that means his plan for you is likely better than the plan you've got. So you don't need to yeah. know why you just need to trust. You, you know? trust God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, uh, man, it, it, it's one of those things too, that like, I think uh, somebody might combat you with that and say, well, but you can't just have blind faith. And I think what we've been illustrating is that this faith isn't blind. Oh. Faith isn't blind like hope. No. You know, it's it's an understanding and looking back at those mile markers oh. of knowing like – I think that's something that uh, God tells the people of Israel to do mm-hmm. at different points was to build these monuments as Stack they moved those out stones. of the wilderness. Yep. So that when you look at it, you remember what he did for you and what he brought you out of. So when when we do something in faith, it's an understanding that he is faithful, right? Not a hope that he will catch us when we jump. Oh, yeah. You know, we're not blind in any of this, right? We there's a there's good logic, reason, and experience that goes into why we follow God's word, right? And why we listen when he tells us now. I struggle, you know, and I think this kind of gets us to why are we doing this now? Right. And I think there's, there's still maybe a few more chapters in our lives that we can get to too. But, sure. Um, you know, like one of the things that I've struggled with is it's so important to me that what I'm doing is of God that sometimes I fall start or don't get something going or I don't mm-hmm. move on something because I want to make – I want to know that mm-hmm. this is what God wants me to do. Right. Um, you know, and like stuff like this podcast was one of those things, you know, mm-hmm. like I started talking to you about this over a year ago. Right. You know, I've had this gear for over a year. Right. You know, um, and, I, and I've been testing out and doing things with it. But like sure. I wanted, when we started this, I wanted to be ready. I wanted to know that we were, I was doing the right thing, that I was doing what God wanted me to do. And, you know, like was looking for all of that. The confirmation. Confirmation. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, the. The truth is sometimes we can overdo that. Sure. You know, and and that's where I think I've been in these last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Now, ever since I got out of Bible colleges, I've been waiting for that, right? What's the thing? Right. What do you want me to do? And I've also come to a conclusion that it doesn't have to be anything spectacular. Mm-hmm. You know. Sure. Um, it has to, it just needs to be doing what God wants me to do in my daily life for those people around me. Right. You know, I don't need my sphere of influence to be giant. Mm-mm. I just need to speak the truth. Right. And I just need to live the truth, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I think, too, like, you know, when you approached me a year ago and 
there's that old Christian saying, like, God's timing is perfect, which isn't in the Bible, but it is in the Bible. Like, the words, sure. God's timing is perfect, isn't there? There's a season for everything, a time. To, you know, that's Ecclesiastes. Those are the, the, the verses yeah. we refer to. God never is never late or early. He always arrives right. exactly when he intends to. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. biblical, right? Yeah, that's biblical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, but God's timing is perfect isn't there, you know, the, yeah. that phrase. But I use that phrase all the time because it's the truth. And that's that's what I always remind myself too is, is sometimes I think I'm late, but I'm right on time, you know. And and the the gauge of why, you know, when you first approached me about this, not only was I already thinking about this in my heart of like, hey, it would be cool to do this because, see, I, I moved into a different phase of my life after really truly – because it was, you know, after the stuff in college and there's – like you said, there's a bunch more chapters in between there and today. But the the moral of the story was that was when I surrendered. Mm-hmm. I, yes, I surrendered the best a seven-year-old could when I was baptized and, and did all that. But was I saved? I don't know. We can debate that all day long. I don't care. What I do know is I'm saved now. And I do know the moment that I came back to the Lord and I said, I get it. And the moment I came back to Jesus and said, I get it. And the moment that I invited the Holy Spirit into my life and said, all right, Spirit, I want the fruits. I want the gifts. I want the fullness of the gospel in me. Because I want to, not again, not be perfect. I want to please you. And I think that's what shifted in my life because up until basically from 13 to 23, we'll say, mm-hmm. I was all about pleasing me. It was mm-hmm. about meeting me. It was about boosting my ego. It was about me. And and as a pastor, that's one of the things that I'm really aware of right now um, is is to never – is to make sure it's never about me. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's important as a pastor. You should do that. Um, but it's it's easy. It's easy to make it about you. My ministry, my church, my youth group, my, you know, no, it's none of it. It's, you're just, you're just lucky to be here. Yeah. You know, like, and, and so, but when you approached me with that, one of the things I've shifted in is I was in this band and, and we, we were, we were on a label and we had CDs that were in stores and we toured. And, you know, I, I, I was telling someone the other day, if we were a band in this day and age, we probably would have been a lot bigger because we were in a band before Facebook and all oh, of that. Yeah. Like we were in a band where like you handed people CDs. Like that's how you promote it. Like how we got on the radio was a person from a radio station came to us. When we were in New York, we met a promoter. I mean, that's how, that's just how we, there was no one like, we had a MySpace, you know what I mean? Like right. that's, yeah. And, and it had like three tracks and they were only 30 seconds long because your bandwidth wasn't going to. You know, so I was saying, like, if I was in that age back then, we'd be a lot bigger. But God had in foresight to know none of that band was about pleasing him. It was about pleasing me. It was about my ego and boosting me. So when you came to me and said, hey, I have this idea I would like to do and I think it would be cool to do X, Y, and Z and talk about X, Y, and Z, my gauge in this day and and, and age of my life is always the question first and foremost I ask is, will this be pleasing to the Lord. Will, will this will this benefit his kingdom and will it be pleasing? And if the answer is yes, then I'll entertain and pray about it. But if the answer is like no, like that's about you or whatever, you know, I think that's why whether we recognize it or not, that's why we didn't introduce ourselves in the first episode because this is not about us. Right. This has nothing and I think that that's the point of this podcast. If you get anything from this, you know, watching or listening, it's that it's not about Tim or I. It's not about my church or our, our, even our stories, it's it's about God's story that he's yeah. written in our lives and that he's continuing his writing. And, and if I can encourage anybody in this moment, it's that what Jesus has done in my life and Tim's life, he's doing in your life and has done in your life. And so it's funny now looking back on it, I used to always say like, there's no way you can prove the existence of God. Now I'm like, 
I could I could almost scientifically prove it. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's how yeah. like like I I'm to the point where I have so much physical visceral imagery and 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 examples that y- you could be like, oh my gosh, like the only other way to explain it is like, and I, we always joke, there is no coincidences in the kingdom of God. Like that, like science, uh, Pete Holmes, I don't know if you know Pete Holmes, he's yes. a comedian. He has this, he has this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's crass. It's got a lot of cursing in it, but he has this, this series of jokes and it's talking about it. Don't, nothing makes sense. Yeah. And he's talking about how we're molecules, but somehow these molecules know that we're molecules, but this molecule doesn't. And the, and he's talking about how science can't explain it. And Pete Holmes, while he is a little crass, is a, he's a pretty devout Catholic actually now. It's really okay. interesting. I was reading a story about how he has kind of come to this realization of God, which is really cool. But like he he makes this amazing point that is like – we think we have a faith that is only blind and feeble, but the truth of the matter is God has given us such a strong faith. I mean, he gives us the most important historical figure in history, Jesus. That, And then not only does he give us him and say, oh, he's a Christian, he is Christ. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. he, So, I mean, I, I just look at all of this and say, like, that's why I'm doing this is because God has so radically transformed my life and my perspective um, in such a positive way that if if one person can hear that and say, man, I struggle with pride or addiction or depression or anxiety or worry, I was like Tim or I was like Brandon, but I don't have to be that way. Yeah. I mean, that's a victory. Not for me. Forget me. That's a victory for the kingdom of God. That's yeah. awesome, man. You know? Yeah, it's a victory for that person. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's a real victory for them. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. Right. Yeah, big, big victory. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should all want to help each other and do what we can. Mm-hmm. You know. Um I mean, now obviously I'm doing this podcast for the recognition. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, we, you know, I I I think it's it's easy for us, you know, and we can joke about it because we're, we're really seriously not. But I think it's easy for people to to do a podcast and say, how can I talk for 30, 40, 60, 90? I don't know. I don't know. Some podcasts are really long and not make it about me. But right. the only reason why I would even do a podcast is because you came to me and said, I don't want it to be about about me you know like like i want and so that's i mean i know i'm not trying to toot your horn because i know you you've done a lot of it today yeah i do Uh, myself (laughs) which is well just fine (laughs) but i but i do i think that that is uh, you know i just want to challenge people out there like it you can do what we're doing right now too yeah you know just don't make it about you because if Tim's testimony has taught us anything. It's our peers stink, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, God is good. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly it. That's case closed. I, you, but yeah, I think you know we've done. I think we've really kind of encapsulated all of this. I just, you know, and, and it might be time. For it dinner. might be time for dinner. There, time for dinner. You know, I think we. I think we kind of hit the point on this. Is it, like we don't share our stories because we're important. We share our stories to share what God's done for us. God is important. That's you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you make the comment about, you know, this idea that we're feeble and that we're blind and just, you know, with this blind hope. 
and faith. Right. And we've talked about that a little bit, but you know, the truth is we are all born into this world of darkness. Mm-hmm. Everyone is born in blindness and feebleness, and Jesus is this light. Right. He is the light of the world. And so we need to be drawn to that. Right. You know, and that's why we share our that's why we share our stories. Mm-hmm. That's why we talk about what we've lived through. And some of our stories will continue to come out because mm-hmm. they help illustrate and they're, you know, like Jesus told stories. Yeah. You know. Um we do that, but we're always trying to connect it back to the gospel. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. This is why this is important. Right. And when you walk in the light, you know, I think it's cool that you say that it's not only biblical, but it's true. Like Jesus is the light. And when you walk in the light, when you walk with Jesus, you're able to look at your entire life like we did today and look back. There are so many times in my life, you know, I've just shared little stories about how and why I believe what I believe and where I'm at now. But there's so many stories and times that I look back on now and I'm like, my goodness, like God's grace, prevenience, love, protection. I mean, there are so many moments of affirmation um, that lead up to today, but you can't see it when you're in the darkness, right? You, when you're when you're in the storm, for lack of a better word, it's really hard to see where the clouds break. Yeah. But once you once you know another Bible analogy, once you wake up Jesus and say help us, and He opens the storm, you see, oh my gosh, we were never in peril to begin with. Like right. He's been here all along, and He will continue to be here. And so that's you know, yeah. People stink. <laughs> Our peers are terrible, but God is good, and and just walking in that light is such a good thing, man. Yeah. It is, amen. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that on church some some Sunday. I'm gonna be like, yeah, I was talking to some of my peers, and people are gonna know what that means. Well, they'd have to listen to this podcast. <laughs> they know what that means. <laughs> That's no. true. That's true. Why don't we go out with some of those driving drums? Oh yeah, <sighs> listen to them.